Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marlin. I am Crown Rogera. Chris, it's official. We are geniuses. We predicted that Alabama and Georgia would face each other in the SEC championship, and it's the first week of November, and we are already looking so smart. Big pat on the back to us. Congratulations. Your thoughts on us being so smart. I mean, I think everybody knows. I think it's something people knew from the get-go that we were geniuses. We're never wrong with most of the things we predict. Missouri, yeah. second in the division. Woof. We'll pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we're, let's not do that. But yeah, this is um, Statement Saturday. Ended up being um, not as exciting as I think we all hoped. We didn't have, you know, the thrilling games and late late uh, heroics or anything like that. But it was it was a fun Saturday nonetheless. At least not in the SEC. We did have yes. Tom Herman calling out Will Greer for taunting, apparently, because Tom Herman is a total stranger to taunting, and he definitely never taunted Drew Locke before. Ever. So we should to- we should definitely listen to Tom Herman uh, when it comes to that. We will, of course, talk Bama, LSU, Georgia, Kentucky, a little SEC championship preview because we can do that, and we're going to get to all the other stuff in the SEC, especially that Mizzou domination in the swamp. Um we're going to have a very, very interesting Ed Talks, too. Definitely yeah, interesting Ed Talks. <laughs> Before we do all that, though, uh, got to talk to you about our friends over at Ticket City. SDS, as you know, once again, partnering with Ticket City for all their ticket needs. Our relationship with them goes back several years as they continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when using Ticket City and they have the best prices, you're going to use that promo code CMBF10. That's CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off all your tickets now, whether it's for this upcoming Saturday or for later in the season. Get your tickets now on Ticket City. Maybe some of you used Ticket City last night to try and get into that Bama LSU game and save yourself a little bit of money. Uh, If you did, kudos to you. And if you're an LSU fan doing that, thoughts and prayers because that was, um, you, you had the first quarter. I wouldn't give it that. Well, yeah. I mean, it was six nothing. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you bet on that first quarter line at Bama at three and a half, I made some of the easiest money I've ever made last night in this game. Yeah, that did feel like an easy money game. Just to, I, even though you did say that um, LSU was going to cover the spread and that didn't happen, so right. technically you're not a total with Tua, The prop bet with Tua to have over fifteen and a half completions. That, that was he money covered it within with like nine minutes left in the second quarter. It was incredible. Yeah, what did Tua end up? Tua ended up with something like 41 or 42 passes. I don't know in off the top game. of my head, but it was 25 of 42 for 295 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, and a rushing touchdown. I, I, I mean, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing. That that atmosphere, I always judge this. Okay, so, like, we, you made fun of the fact that early in the season, I said um, when I was at the, the Florida game where Florida beats LSU. <laughs> You made fun of the fact that I said that that was as loud as I had ever heard that stadium when Brad Edwards had the yeah. pick six, and you had very you said a stadium, loudest yeah, loudest I had ever heard a stadium. Right, correct, correct. So last night in the first quarter of this game, you had longtime college football writers saying I have never heard a stadium that loud. That yep. was as hostile of an atmosphere as you could have drawn up for Alabama. And all Alabama did was go in there, do exactly what Paul Feinbaum said, not be worried about crowd noise. Even though there was, you know, the, the the slow start, I will say that, you know, they had the false starts and they had that third and 28, whatever that was, that was weird. But after that, it did not matter at all. And that, that to me was the most impressive win that any team has had this college football season. And if you're 
kind of wondering about Alabama's schedule and blah, blah, blah. Nick Saban kind of said it best after. He's like, we, we heard people talking about that, and we wanted to make a big-time statement. Wanted to make a statement. And that's what they did. So, and I, everybody that listens to this knows I'm a Bama fan. Anybody that also listens to this knows how much I love this LSU team, and I love Coach O, and I've, I've been on the bandwagon, trying to lead the bandwagon since the summer. Death Valley is, it is so special. It is absolutely so special. And it was so cool to see that entire environment and, and Coach O walking in, man. And then Oof. you had the the D line family. Off. Oh my God! And like, and I love that man. Like, I I love that because, you know, Bama's just so boring. Getting up, it's like like Saban. Everyone just robots, just like walk filing into the stadium, and no one's really showing any emotion. All of them had the headphones on. Coach O is like drunk me, just Tebow in the crowd, getting all pumped up, getting everyone just super excited. Cause and he and you feel that like it's it's awesome to watch, and you really feed off that energy, and you can tell. See. I, I get fired up when I watch, like, Bama because I've always been a big Bama fan. You get the sense that, like, he's, he's not – I don't think the moment's too big for Coach O at all. I really don't. I know last night was a bad showing. But it's, it's really cool to see someone live out their dream like that, taking that team out on the field. Now, moving on past that, <laughs> it was a tough night for them. I, like, that environment was crazy. Like, it was – they went – like, Bama went right down the, like, right down the field. Just hot knife through butter, first drive of the game. And then they get inside the 20, and it's just one mistake after another. And you start to see, like, I haven't seen Tua get rattled. He was he was rattled. Of course, he got hit in his coconuts, but, I mean, other than that. By the that, way, you totally stole my tweet. When did you? I did not. I didn't even see you tweet that. I had that tweet. Did you really? Boom. Like right I swear to God, I did not know you tweeted that. I, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to be so original with this. It's going to be a little bit, let's get playing the Hawaiian this. And then I see everybody tweeting about that after. I'm like, okay, I guess that thought wasn't that Well, original. you were the first, though. That's good. I, my, I didn't <laughs> Probably not. That. Um, Probably not. No, but it was it was cool to see uh, everything leading up to it. it. It is such a special atmosphere. And you, like, you look at, like, just on, on both sidelines, all the NFL stars, and Gary Danielson pointed out the fact that 142 players from these two teams the past 10 years drafted in the NFL draft, 36 in the first round, it's a really special game and a special atmosphere. Now, just focusing on this game, it was, I mean, it was a beatdown. And it was, it was, I, I looked at Allie at one point yesterday, because you know how nervous I was. I told you that pregame ritual where I was burning sage in the apartment, took a shot of Woodford and panic cleaning. It was, it was not a good look for me. But I looked at Allie at one point in the afternoon, and I was like, all this trash talk, people talk about Bama's schedule, and they haven't played anybody, and blah, blah, blah. I go, what happens tonight when they win by 30? And they won by 29. They won by 29. Yeah. Also called the interception. I looked at her, like, when Mac Wilson made that pick, I was like, let's get a pick. We had a pick all night. So basically, I'm a genius, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that Mac Wilson interception was out of this world. To that, that, you saw the athleticism on display yeah. uh, on that play. And you saw two interception. Go figure. Two throws his first interception all year. Told and, you. of course, it ends up basically being like a punt. And then right. on the very next possession, he leads a touchdown drive. That's just – we were talking about what's Tua going to look like when he gets rattled. Yeah. And – I don't know if, I mean, that interception didn't rattle him by no. by any stretch of the imagination. And it maybe in a certain way, it was kind of good to get it out of your system because I've kind of gone back and forth with this. Like, as impressive as it is that he has zero interceptions on the year, you almost kind of want your guy to yeah. take a look, like take some chances. And he, not to say that Tua doesn't take chances, but, you know, take that for, for what it was. I actually thought the LSU defense played pretty well on this one. The whole Bama to 29 points is not an easy thing to do. And they got I, him out of rhythm a little bit, too. They did, and they did some things to kind of force Tua to, to make these predetermined reads. And I thought Gary Danielson made – I actually like Gary Danielson a lot more than the typical fan. I'll say that. that, that but he made, huh? he made a huge, huge deal about the clock. 
and he kept talking about the clock. And everybody in the world is responding on Twitter saying, so Devin White's going to play quarterback? Devin White's going to all of a sudden yeah. score a bunch of touchdowns for this team? What, how is that really going to change the equation? I, I texted our, our, uh, our friend, our former producer, Will Ogburn, because he was like, all right, let me get your thoughts. Middle of the second quarter. And I'm like, if I'm an LSU fan, I'm, I'm thrilled right now because you're within two possessions going into halftime, and the offense had not been good. But the problem was, and this, I think, is the bigger story of the game, even more so than Tua not getting rattled, was this looked like a vintage Nick Saban defense. To pitch a shutout in that atmosphere, you, you said it best because you're like, it's kind of weird that nobody's talking about the Bama defense coming into this. And we're, we're overlooking the Bama defense for the first time, and it's all about the offense. And it looked like they took exception to that because Quinnen Williams and that Alabama defense was a team on a mission. That yeah. looked like as dominant of a defensive performance oh, as we've seen in a long time from the Sa- from a Saban era defense. Yeah, and it was it was one of those things too. And I, I I said two things, and and I'm and this is, I am patting myself on the back because people, you call me a homer, you call me whatever you want, that's fine. But I said Tua would not leave Baton Rouge without an interception. That happened, and yeah, no one's talking about this Bama defense. There's talent all over the field on that defense. That defense is is legit, and you know it's not even just that. It's going up against this. Like they, I think they would struggle against a team like Oklahoma, against Clemson, and that kind of offense. I didn't think they would struggle against Joe Burrow if he couldn't hit a couple big like plays early. And I was surprised that Steve Ensminger didn't take more deep chances because yeah. we heard we heard the talk coming into this game they were going to attack Savion Smith, of course the former LSU cornerback came in really highly touted, yeah. transferred ends up at Alabama, and they, you know they t- they took a few sh- chances at him early, and he, I think he had that DPI, and then they didn't really kind of go back to him, and I thought there were there were opportunities missed from from the LSU offense to to stretch the field and do some things that. You expected them to do after what they were limited to with Danny Etling last year, yep. and I thought that that was a big miscue on the part of the LSU offense because when you're only getting 12 yards rushing, you got to do some things downfield to stretch the field, and they, they just were not able to do that. It was such a tough go for that LSU offense all night, and if Bama Bama defensively is all of a sudden just found its groove and and the secondary has settled in, they're and they're not really they're, bringing pressure either. Yeah, getting pressure from <laughs> it's, three-man it's fronts where you. That is, Oh my god. In gosh. a max protect. And like and the my favorite quote of the night was they were talking about Quinn and Williams. And again, like being a Bama fan, like I'm I'm used to seeing all these like D line and they rotate and you know, the Falcons are gonna play the Redskins later today. It's like the entire front seven, I feel like, for the Redskins is from Bama. You know, like And they, they stop these, the run, go yeah, figure. Yeah, exactly. But there's like these these huge five star recruits and you know, all over the field. And then you have this Quinn and Williams, it's like, where did this kid come from? He's starting this season, didn't start last year, and and they said Jonah Williams, uh, the quote they had on Jonah Williams from him was, he's like trying to block a 300-pound bar of soap. Yeah. He just, I mean, he yep. is so dominant up front. And when you couple that with with Raekwon Davis and, and everyone else off the edge, you don't have to bring a lot of pressure. I mean, it's it's a lot different, I think, uh, this year. It's, it's, it's one of those things, too, where you expect it, I think, so much from a Nick Saban defense that you expect it to be dominant from jump. And it's one of those things I think gradually as the season's gone on, they've gotten better and better and better, and they're kind of peaking and hitting stride right now. Should it's we like just me get the Quinn and Exactly, exactly. We are in mid-season form. Should we just get the Quinn and Williams Redskins jersey yeah. ready to go? I mean, let's, let's be honest. They're be picking him in the so, first round. I, I tweeted that last night. It's going to be so awkward when he wins the Heisman over Tua. Yes. So speaking of that, Tua actually threw a fourth-quarter pass last night. Go figure. First one all year. Uh, it was a completion. However, he has still yet to throw a fourth quarter in completion. So here's a thought. Is he going to be hoisting a Heisman Trophy before he throws his first fourth quarter in completion of the 2018 season? No, there's no way. 
No. Who's he going to throw a fourth quarter completion against? Auburn? Auburn, Georgia, SEC championship game? No, before, because, oh yeah, because the, the Heisman's <laughs> after. I, I Daylight savings time, man. That's what, that's what I was saying the same thing when I woke up. I don't know, man. I. You think they're going to just roll through everybody? I don't think that'll happen. I mean, Mississippi State, you know, the defense is obviously really, really good. We've seen that in the past, but... It's just awfully tough to picture this team still struggling um, to distance itself in the fourth quarter because after he had the the big breakaway run, of course, you obviously weren't going to see him do much of anything right. after he goes back in the game. Um, and obviously, every Alabama fan sort of you know no heart skipped to beat all Not that me. stuff. I, I, so I I went into peak Gump mode when that happened. We got a tweet sent to us, and it was like, "Hey, do you take him out and just put in Mac Jones?" And and now I will say this. When it was third and eighteen or third and twenty three, when they brought him and Mac they tried Jones, to put him back in, yeah. Well, but like when Mac Jones came in and they snapped the ball, they were gonna throw that ball. Yeah, like they were gonna. That was that showed a lot to me. Like you bring in a third string quarterback, you expect like a draw play or something like that. Like he was he was raring back and he was ready to go. So yeah, I like that. Trust the kicking game. There, that's one of the dumbest things I'd ever heard <laughs> last night. Somebody was like, "Are they in field goal range?" There is no field goal range. There is no field goal range in Alabama. Um, it's just, it's ridiculous. But yeah, so like, but Tua, yeah, I, <laughs> I just, I, I was ready. Just keep him in the game, run quarterback draws, right at Devin White all night. Real quick on LSU. I don't want people to all of a sudden just say, this is the same old LSU. It's not. It's not. And I, I do think that Joe Burrow is still a step above what we've seen the last four years at the quarterback position, despite the fact that he had, he had a rough night against yeah. that Alabama defense. But it, I think LSU is still in really good shape to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, and they're yeah. still going to be able to build off of this season, and they're going to have a whole lot of talent returning next year. And I think that there are definite positives to take away. So I don't want people throwing Coach O under the bus because no. I don't think that's fair. But I also don't want this narrative to come out with Alabama. And the 30,000-foot view of this that we're going to see from national columnists, and if you just watch the lazy take from this, it's, oh, oh my gosh, this season's so boring. This is so boring. Damn Alabama's just going to dominate. Football. They're not. It's here's the thing. Watch Alabama play football, and if you're bored watching them play football, just just don't watch football because that yeah. that to me is is ridiculous. If you watch Alabama as as a neutral observer, I have no affiliation in Alabama whatsoever. They can win, they can go undefeated, they can win zero games. It makes no difference to me. I I I don't go to the kitchen when Tua takes a snap. No. I, I can't do that because you never know what you're going to see with this team that just wows you. Even the catch, who was it? Was it Henry Ruggs that had that one-handed catch on the rare off-target ball that Tua threw? We're just like, this. This what we're seeing right now is so special, and we're not maybe going to realize how special it is until we look back 10, 15 years from now. This is much like 2001 Miami or 2005 USC. Pick that. whatever great team in the last 30 years that you can think of, and I think what Alabama is doing is going to be on that level, and I think that's how we're going to remember this team. Okay, one, I, I kind of appreciate where your thought process was on that, and I, I, but I'm also disappointed that those are your words because I said this this morning, and this is not me trying to be the homer this time, but what we're watching right now is the absolute pinnacle of any sports dynasty in the history of sports. It is the most dominant, and, and, and I'm talking about this specific team and what I think next year's team will be as well, in the history of sports. Now, granted, I still think there's three teams in the country that could beat Bama. And, oh, no, I don't. Well, I, I mean, I, I do, because I, I, they're not invincible, and they, haven't, they really haven't been punched in the, in the mouth yet. But, like... Real quick, should Alabama have a loss to give? 
Absolutely, right? Have a loss to give? Yeah, no, to make the playoffs. I don't think so. You don't think they should have no, a loss to give? They just they just picked up the best win in the country, a win that Cle- that Clemson doesn't have anywhere near as good of a win as Alabama Clemson does. Clemson plays their schedule. Bama plays their schedule. I, I I think, I mean, if if Clemson lost and Bama lost, yeah, I think I think that Bama should get in over them, of course. So you think that if Bama loses to Mississippi State, Bama's not a playoff team? Yep. Even if they win the SEC championship, I don't think they, I don't think they would deserve to. No. I think that's all right. That's and, that's I, and part of part of it is because part of it is because the fact that like. You know, I. I'm trying to be objective here. Connor. You know, you're, you're, no, 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 no. You're, you're okay. No, Bama no, could I, lose I, to Mississippi State think, and still make the playoff because if it beats Georgia, then we're not over. Bama has been so dumb. Not over Clemson. It's undefeated. I think Michigan is really good. Yeah, um, then then Bama would take the fourth spot. Bama's over, not over. Okay, so Georgia, you would have. What if Georgia? What if Georgia wins the SEC championship game? And beats Alabama. Yeah. Then, then theoretically, if you want to have undefeated Clemson, undefeated Notre Dame, and one loss Michigan, Bama's getting in over one loss Michigan. Okay. Because Notre Dame's not getting in over Notre Dame is getting in over Michigan. I, I I hate doing this because nobody wins out, and that's not the way that this plays out. So let's yeah, let's November's move off of this. Crazy. Let's move I'm just off saying, of this. Oklahoma, Clemson, and Georgia, and maybe Michigan could beat Alabama on 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 a given day. I appreciate you trying to be objective, but I. Just don't see it. I maybe Clemson, maybe Clemson. That's about it. That's all I can really go for right now. Let's get back to LSU real quick. We have a somber Ed talks. Drink that mimosa, Chris. Um, Or do do we have? uh, Do we have Coach? Is he? Is he really soggy right now and drenched in in sweat? So sweaty, and it's such a nice day in Atlanta. But he he came over late last night. We had a little slumber party. We had a little little sleepover. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, and he was like, how do you deal with loss? And I was like, I'll tell you. So I'm going to let him come in. So I'll go, Coach. Coach. Oh, God. Babe, will you get Coach to come inside? Okay, he's coming in. He's coming in. Yeah, come on in, dude. Hey, come Wait, on. who are you asking to get Allie. him to? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. right. They've, been, they've been watching um, the Oxygen Channel all morning. There's, like, Christmas movies on. He's he, he's a sucker for a really good Christmas somber story, aren't we all? Yeah, Connor. I don't know. I'm good. All I want to hear Quiet, is Connor. my bad. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We got a new intro song uh, today. Don't, 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 don't it up. So you have a bad day. Take a don't down. down cut, cut the music. God, we came out yesterday. We came out. Uh, you ever taken a coke bottle? Open up coke bottle. You don't hear that fizz. You don't hear the fizz. You know why? Cause it's flat. We came out a little flat. We came out. Coach Saban always had that coke bottle on a podium. Coke bottle ain't flat. Alabama. We gonna turn it around. It gonna be fine. That being said, talk to talk to Uncle Chris over here. How to come out? Be up. Be in a better mood. How to get over loss. I've been dressing all black. Very slimming. Notice Chris, that's all he wear. So, here, I'm going to tell you top five thing you do. Help get over loss. Courtesy, Kodo. Oh, Chris. First thing we did, put on a sweatpant. Hard to feel bad when you're in a sweatpant. Got some eye cream. Hogging dog. Hogging dog. Ate some of that. What a good movie. Put on a little Miley Cyrus, it's the climb. Cause that's the thing, Connor. I mean, we what? We still looking at a 10 2 record. It's the climb. Right?
I eat a little of that song. Anyway, put on a sweatpant. Eat some eye cream. We're going to go to brunch. Me and Craig do brunch every week. Bottom line is this. When you fall down sit time, you know what you got to do. God, I'm asking you. When you fall down sit time, what do you do? Last time I talked, you just wanted to be quiet, so I'm, I'm just letting you have the floor here. God, I, I totally get you shutting down emotionally. I do it all the time. Regardless, when you fall down this time, you don't get up seven. You lay down in the fetal position for a couple of days. You cry on the bathroom floor, put on some Kylie Minogue, something to get you in a good mood. Get back and get it going again. Next week, we got Arkansas. <clears throat> you know what that is? That's Van Cobottle. We ain't coming out flat. It's going to be a lot of fits. On them hogs, we're gonna crackle the bacon. We're gonna rise again. We're gonna be fine. Can't keep a tiger down. Can't. Unless you, elephant. Or, I'm, you know, I ain't gonna get into that. Anyway, Kyle, have a good day. We're gonna go to brunch. Coach, that was, uh. That was deep. That, you hit that note. It o'clock. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's enough. Go back outside and stare into the abyss. He's gonna be fun. He's gonna be fun. Coach, he fits into all my clothes. That's kind of weird. That, I, know. I don't know what that's who that says more about. Um, right now, he's wearing he's literally wearing a uh, a shirt that says "You can't sit with us" with the picture of the Golden Girls on. It's my favorite shirt. He loves it. Big Golden Girls fan. He was not too happy about um, some of the recruiting. We could say that. Kind of yeah. weird to see him throw his his current roster on the bus <laughs> yeah, like that. Just, that was just the uh, offensive defensive line, and that defensive whew. line is so great. But I mean, it's really good. He's I, that offensive line. I think is the weakest unit on their team, yeah. Um, and it has been for us this season. But you know, he wasn't wrong. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Georgia, Kentucky. Georgia is moving on to the SEC championship for the second straight year. This played out in similar fashion to what we thought would happen, and that is Georgia gets that early lead, and you realize pretty early on. Yeah, Georgia's just kind of still on a different level than Kentucky. Yep. And all the talk coming in about can Kentucky pull off this this massive upset, it's not that Kentucky didn't have a special season to this point and deserve everything that it got to be put in that position. Yeah. It was that it did not have the upside and the athletes to be able to stay on the field with Georgia for 60 minutes. Now, I credit Kentucky for fighting back and for Terry Wilson for yeah. throwing what? over 200 yards. See the best that quarterback was, in the league now besides Tua? I, I mean, Jared Garantano, we'll get to that later. Oh, I knew um, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, you knew that was coming. But credit Kentucky for, for sticking with this and fighting back when it could have been even worse. But the story of the game is still, holy cow, that Georgia ground game looked like it was in 2017 mode. We hit two Georgia running backs, Elijah Holyfield, and, of course, DeAndre Swift going for over 100. Swift looked like he was back to his 2017 form, and that is a scary, scary thought for the rest of the teams on their schedule. Yeah, agreed. And now I do want to start out by saying tip of the cap to Kentucky. And this season's not over. This felt like one of those things last night that was like, because Bama won and Georgia won, they're going to the SEC championship game again and kind of feeding into what you said about like, it's so boring and it's the same old thing. Like, it's not. And like, both these teams could still go 10 and 2. Kentucky could have a 10 win season, regular season. Kentucky's going to, I think Kentucky's going to win out. Look at the rest of their schedule right now. I'm doing it. The rest of their schedule, you got Tennessee, Tennessee, you got Middle you don't sleep on them Blue Raiders, that damn blue unicorn. (laughs) You get Middle Tennessee, and then you end the season with Louisville, and Louisville yeah. looks like maybe the worst Power Five team in the country. So, well, I mean, yeah, they are really bad. They give up almost 500 yards rushing. But so, that being said, yeah, I, I agree. And Terry Wilson, man, we our neighbor Terry Wilson, he he's not with us today because he was busy cutting all the grass at that Northwestern game. 
The grass is too high. You know it is. You know we called the HOA. You know they actually lowered the grass at Northwestern like three years ago. But. Yeah, I know. Whatever. Shut up, Connor. No one listens to Big Ten football here. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but he's been so impressive. So twice this season, uh, coming into this game, he had over 13 completions. That's the, that's the most completions he's had in a game, like coming into this game. Only twice. In the past two weeks, he goes, what, 23 of 29 yesterday? So he's got 45 completions. Basically, like, 25% of his season completions came in the last two weeks against Missouri and Georgia. I've been really impressed by him. Benny Snell kind of hampered by injury. I didn't think he would have the kind of day that he would hope for. You know, he wasn't going to be able to run over that defense. But it was it was impressive to see what Kentucky did. But back to the original question, yeah, Georgia looks uh, just uh, head and shoulders above the rest of this division. And Kentucky was doing some good things against Georgia early on, and they were breaking off some nice chunks of yardage. Yeah. And then I realized, so uh, at like five minutes, five minutes into the second quarter, I look at the box score, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Benny Snell already has like 17 carries yeah. in this game. Uh, he is not going to be able to sustain no. an entire workload for this game against that physical of a defense. And sure enough, he only ends up with 20 carries. He was banged up for the rest of this game. I don't think him on the field changes the outcome of that game. But worth noting, and that's why, of course, they relied more on Terry Wilson. This Georgia offense, though, man, you lose two offensive linemen from a, a group that was already banged up and you're facing a defense that's allowing 13 points per game, tied for best the best in the, in the country, and you still put up 34 points. That, to me, was a big-time statement from, yep. from Georgia to be able to do that. And, you know, Jake Fromm had his showing the week before against Florida, but, he, you know, he, he made some nice plays in this game. Yeah. But it was just about getting the ground game going. And credit Jim Chaney for realizing that and maybe, maybe making that mid-game adjustment to say, We've we've got we've got him cooking and we're, we can finally hit on these home run plays. Go figure. DeAndre Swift did not have a rush of over 24 yards going into that Florida game. Right. In the past two weeks, he had a touchdown run of 33 yards, and then he had, of course, the 83-yard touchdown that was basically the dagger in All this game. game. And DeAndre Swift was a guy that I think we both had as our preseason SEC Player of the Year. Yeah. He finally looks like it. Yeah. And that's he's healthy. He's healthy. He's finally he, healthy. He looks right. Yeah, yeah, and and one of the, and that cut, man. I texted Oof. you as soon as it happened. I was like, "Good God!" And I, you were like, "That cut," and I was like, "Which one?" Like that yeah, was a, both of them. That was an incredible, incredible cut, and it was cool to see. Now coming from like a Saban standpoint, it was cool to see you tweeted this out about Kirby of oh, eighteen Kirby, yeah. points and like lighten someone's ass up on the, Love on, the it. on the call, or whatever. And oh, that was Cheney on the call. That was Cheney on the call. There's no was, doubt because it was the goal line stand. Kentucky oh, stopped him at the goal line again, and it was something like um, they basically had. So if you want to go back to that Florida game. They basically had like 10 straight plays of, of getting stuffed at the goal line. And you could tell he's just laying into Cheney. He did not want to kick that field goal in no. that spot. He wanted to put the game away. I love Kirby freaking out because oh, yeah. that that, that, that shows more. me too. Yeah, he, he expects more all the time. Would you rather have that coach as opposed to the, yeah, ah, whatever, we'll kick the field goal? I love our boys. They did a great job. You know what it reminded me of, though, is, and I, I thought about this yesterday, was when uh, when they got stuffed at the goal line. Do you remember that scene in Happy Gilmore when, when he's, like, he's like, oh, yeah, putting. That's fine, and he can't he can't putt or whatever. Just tap 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 just tap tap tap. But like, and then he hits the hole in one on the par four. He's like, yeah, we should just do that every time. Georgia <laughs> should just they should just score from eighty three yards out every time because it's the whole goal line stand thing is oh yikes, not yeah. good. But yeah, that offense looked good. It was it was good to see every single thing I thought on display. You didn't have to have Jake Fromm. He was efficient as always, and I I'm not gonna say game manager. This is me Don't not say saying that. game manager. But he was he was fourteen to twenty, so the, the completion percentage was there. He was efficient the entire day, didn't throw a pick. But you got to see Justin Fields. You got to see Elijah Holyfield do what he does best. You got to see uh, DeAndre Swift like out in the open field and and really see this entire offense kind of show what it's capable of doing. 
maybe with the exception of allowing over 200 passing yards to, to Terry Wilson, I think if you were a Georgia fan, that was the ultimate feel-good game because Ooh. everything you wanted to see from this group in terms, you know, we saw Georgia finally get after the quarterback, and they had, you know, they've obviously been struggling to do that and just yeah. getting in the sacks this year. So you saw that. You got to see Justin Fields on that third and nine where he converted that with his legs. Yeah. That was a big-time spot to be able to make it a three-score game and take some time off the clock. So you got to see him used, and you got to see Georgia flex its muscles. And yep. I think... You know, the 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 whole narrative of this Georgia season has been, well, they're just not on that twenty seventeen level. And I'm I think that they're at least finally having that identity and I'm not sure that they're gonna beat you know, that they're gonna just give Alabama its best test of the year. I really don't know that yet, but I think going into this season, if you had just told a Georgia fan you're gonna have a chance to play for a playoff and another SEC championship, you would feel pretty good about it, and that's where Georgia we think, as long as Georgia can win out, not a guarantee, still got yep. Auburn left on the schedule, but Georgia is going to be able to maybe put itself in position to do that. And for me, that's a win in this year that, you know, with so many new pieces to replace, Georgia feeling good about itself. I, and this is one of those things, too. Georgia, we, we all just, I think, us in general as people, we love a hero. You love a hero. And, and Georgia, growing up here, I've always said there's always got to be a hero. There's always going to be a scapegoat. It's always how great Gurley is or how great Stafford is or no Sean, how bad Bobo is or how bad, you know, so-and-so is on the, on the offensive line or in the secondary or something like that. Or like how, you know, I think it's Atlanta sports fans, maybe in general even, but like this team, there isn't an alpha. I don't feel like on defense, like Deandre Baker is that dude, but like there's not a Roquan Smith in the middle right. of the defense or anything like that. But this team is more well, it's, it's, it's more well-rounded. It's, I think it's better as a whole than the 2017 team and I know that sounds like dumb maybe because they lost to LSU I think this is a, a better team than last year let's get some way too early SEC championship thoughts uh we already saw the early line for this game it's at 13 and a half which I was gonna guess 13 so I mean I, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pet myself on the back there <laughs> okay. uh, and just totally assume that nobody's gonna know whether or not I thought that or not but this has to be the earliest an SEC championship game has ever been set right no when when when? How could you have an earlier mat? Like when when has this matchup been decided in October before? Twenty fifth. It's November. I, no, I know. So that's what I'm saying. Is that this? Oh. The, the, no, it's the like division the first week of the, the first, I mean, Bama Bama twenty fifteen, Bama twenty. No, 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 no. That's one team. I'm talking two teams. Yeah, Florida. They had one. They, they that was over. So Florida and Bama was set in. It wasn't set in October, was I, it? I, I, I mean, I would think so. Not in October, I but I mean, like, but around this time is usually when it happens. Well, maybe just yeah. from the east, I don't know, or from the west. It just feels really, really early. Um, how how do you not look ahead if you're one of these two teams? I, I know you, that you're, the whole goal. Who, as as we saw last year, who cares about the SEC championship game? Who cares about the Iron Bowl? Those games don't matter. You have to get to the playoff. There are, there are a you lot of lose sneaky game. games. There are some sneaky games left on both teams' schedule, of yep. course. Saban was already talking about the Mississippi State game. Saban didn't even realize, by the way, that they that they won the division. That was so peak Saban. I mean, I guess when you could just win a national championship without winning your own division, you don't really care about those things anymore. But fitting that he said after, oh, wait, we, we won the division? Yeah, sure. We don't have to win against Mississippi State next week. We, we already got that. And they're like, yeah, coach. Uh, we've been talking about this for the last two weeks. Yeah, this is the um, only thing we can talk about. Okay, so here's, here's what I'm interested in. Why... And maybe maybe it doesn't. Does Georgia have a better chance against Alabama 
at a neutral site than LSU. Does Georgia match up better? Yes. Just just your instant from, initial reaction. Just from, yes. Now, I tell you what, if they gave up 23 or 29 completions to Terry Wilson, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I keep thinking back to the second half of that game and how good that Georgia defense was last year. And yes, they said that they didn't prepare to face Tua and they expected to face Jalen. But even that defense, as great as it was, Tua was still able to lead a comeback against yeah. them at a neutral site. So, And obviously, I'm not going to be betting against Nick Saban in Atlanta. That seems like a really bad idea. But um, we, we'll, we'll get to that later. What do you think the final spread on this game is going to be? Uh, I think it'll be right around this, 14 and a half, 16 and a half. You don't think it'll move that much? No, I don't think so. I mean, because Georgia's a good team. And, and you know, this is, this is where Bama started to kind of show its flaws last year. When you go into the LSU game, then you go to Mississippi State, and then, hell, they better not be playing a damn triple option team, tell you that much, going into that Auburn game. You remember what George Southern did to him in 2011? Ten horn. Jalen Hurts pooped his pants. Side note. <laughs> yeah, George, um, it kind of looked like Jalen Hurts uh, pooped his pants. Oh, I think, who's, was, was it Barstool it that tweeted Barstool, that out? Yeah. It's good yeah. they're allowed to have videos they can just shoot from whenever they want. That's cool. Yeah, that they steal more content than anybody I've ever seen. Anyways. Uh, they definitely stole um, one of my, my video yesterday of uh, Nebraska attempting that onside kick and whiffing, but whatever. Yeah, that, was, that was rough. Um, so, okay, let's get to what I thought was the biggest surprise of the weekend. Those two games, the first two games we talked about, that was expected, maybe not to the extent of which that Alabama won that game, but I think, you know, a lot of people still thought that could happen. Nobody in the right mind thought that Mizzou was going to go into the swamp and win by 21 points. You're about to see a whole different side of Uncle Chris. Yeah, let's sit here and start the show with all the good stuff and pat ourselves on the back. I'm going to keep drinking this mimosa and tell you how I feel about Vegas and their lines and what the hell happened in Gainesville yesterday. What? What? They, like, I put, I, 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 I didn't put everything. Put more than I this should have on Florida to win this game. I more did. than you, more than you were comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because because in the morning I was like, I I put a a large amount on Auburn to win straight up, and that in, we'll talk about that later. But it didn't look like that was gonna happen, so I panicked and I was like, you gotta put everything you got on Florida, Chris. That's what inner Chris sounds like. And then I, and then I did that. I listened to myself, which was dumb. Never trust my instincts. I Florida. It looked so bad, and it's it's not that like like Missouri. When I looked back at it, I blame myself, which is weird because I don't ever take you know responsibility for things. You know that, but like the Missouri thing, this is if you look at the schedule, and I'm I am I'm playing massive devil's advocate and apologist for Missouri, big time, big time. I know I said preseason about the se- finishing second, but I texted a buddy of mine last night who even said on the Facebook Live he's a big Mizzou guy. He's like Florida by 14, easy. This is, a, this is a team that has not won a road game against a top 25 team since 2009. I'm sorry, against any ranked team. I'm sorry, since 2014 against South Carolina. Yeah, they're right? 0-9 with Drew Locke as a starter against ranked teams. And Barry Odom as a head coach, 4-9 on the road. Uh, one win against Purdue this year, which is kind of impressive when you look at it, what happened to Ohio State. But the other three wins, UConn, which is one of the worst teams in all of college football, Arkansas and Vandy, there was no part of me that thought that they would ever be able to hang with Florida. And you kind of, I kind of thought Florida would come out angry and, you know, want to like prove a point, especially after last year uh, and what happened at Mizzou. But man, I mean, when you look at this Mizzou team, that game against South Carolina, which I, I think they kind of got, there was some bad luck in that. 
with all the rain and all that kind of stuff, and, and they still they still should have won that game, but they were winning that game with like a minute and a half to go. But that that what happened in Kentucky, they're two catastrophes away from being a two-loss team with their only losses being to Georgia and Bama. So here's the thing. That is true, and that's that's a, a, a fair point. There are a lot of a lot of different things to dissect with this game. Barry Odom gets a monumental win for his long-term security for all the people who were hating on him after what unfolded last week against Kentucky where he blows that game. Mizzou ultimately can't get an SEC win. To win at Florida and to do so in the fashion that they did was big for a lot of the, the Drew Locke apologists and for the simple narrative that if you're Barry Odom and you are doing your season-end exit interview, you can bring up all the things that you just said and you can say, oh, Emmanuel Hall with us makes us a totally different team. Yes. Yeah. We saw for the first time Drew Locke stretch the field and look like he was settled into that offense. And this is a guy who came into the week with one, I repeat, one, one. touchdown against an SEC team all year. That was less than Nick Fitzgerald, by the way. Yeah. And what did he do? He stretched the field. He threw to everyone. Emmanuel Hall in this game ends up having 77 yards and a touchdown. A huge game for him. And this is a kid who who lost his dad three weeks ago on top That's of this injury so stuff tough. that he's been going through. Just a, a tough year emotionally yeah. for, for him. And you can tell that this team looked totally different. And like just on a different level than what we've been accustomed to seeing out of them the past month. And now, if you're a Mizzou fan, and there are a lot of Drew Locke apologists who say, well, if he had better talent around him, he'd be doing this, this, and this. And now all they can do is point to this and say, well, yeah. with Emmanuel Hall, I mean, Well, and Albert he's, O. He's Albert O got injured and was out. And Albert O still was able to contribute in this game, though. Yeah. I mean, he oh, still yeah. ends up with a touchdown. and. But like that, that shows you how important Emmanuel Hall is. And my, my buddy, my best friend Jeff, is a big Mizzou guy. He said all year, it's like it just it really it really limits the entire offense when he's not in because there's nobody to take the top off that defense. Right. And yeah, and this, now, when you say the exit interview for Barry Odom or the end of the year interview, like that is that like, that is such a huge huge win for him because of the fact that I think other if if this doesn't happen, he goes into that interview with with hey. nothing more than I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> like I, what do you say for yourself? Like we did our best. Let's get to the, the other side of the quarterback situation because now all of a sudden things are a lot more interesting. And the preseason conversation that I brought up with Kyle Trask is oh finally God. resurfacing. <laughs> Felipe Franks gets benched in this game after a dreadful start. And Kyle Trask Felipe comes stinks. in and looks pretty good. Looks like somebody that Dan Mullen only, probably should have put a little you, bit more trust only in. Only you could, could bring this up in terms of like, and, and I, I'm not even going to blame you, I'm blaming Adam Spencer. I love Adam Spencer, but when he tweeted that I out, wasn't going to tweet like, this, but he God. threw it out there. He so he he was like, "Whoa, man!" When like my boy Connor was right about Kyle Trask, I'm like, "It's it's effing November!" Like I know, like, I know. And and like, I, I, you were so quick to bury that Mississippi State. Like I was wrong. Let's have an obituary for this game, and yep. and then all of a sudden it's like, by the way, guess what I found in the backyard? Huh? Yeah, a little buried treasure, my man. I get Kyle Trask. It's like. Yeah, I'm proud of you for that. Um, so, Mizzou hadn't beaten that ranked opponent since 2014. What was it? Oh, Drew Locke, the most completions he had ever thrown in an SEC game before this were 25. It was crazy. Like you said, it was it was really crazy. I did not expect that to happen and have Felipe Franks be that bad. Because Felipe Franks, I he showed some signs of life against even Georgia. 
I praised his development going into that Georgia game, and I wrote why he had really made some massive strides in 365 days since Ooh, the, the first Trask. cocktail party. But Kyle Trask, now, we're, now there's a decision to make in Gainesville, and Dan Mullen said after the game he's going to have to decide this week whether a drastic change needs to be made at the position. And there's a pride factor here. Remember, as we talked about with Joe Moorhead and Nick Fitzgerald, there is a pride factor when you are an offensive-minded yeah. coach and you come into a place and you say, this is the guy that I'm going to put my faith in. That's something that's worth watching. We're going to obviously continue to talk about that and whether or not this dynamic is going to change in Gainesville because we talked about this team coming into last week as much like Kentucky. They can still win 10 games. They can still potentially go to a New Year's Six Bowl. They still have a good resume. But now you just sort of question the offensive direction after seeing how much they struggled yesterday and you, you maybe think about... What, what's the future of this offense? A lot of people I know are clamoring for Emory Jones. They want to hold on to that red shirt for him in year one. Dan Mullen wants to bring him along slowly and not yeah. necessarily force him into a game. So well, that situation but, isn't going anywhere. And here's here's something I'll say. And it was, I thought there's a couple things that were interesting that happened here. One, Trask has only played in two games leading up to this, and he's thrown four passes. And he hadn't played since September 22nd against Tennessee, right? And his dad tweeted out something after the game, and he was like, uh, it was something about, like, it's great to see what my son, I'm so proud to see what my son's capable of doing once he's finally given a fair chance. I think, um, by the way, sick brag, I think his dad follows me on Twitter and has retweeted everything I've ever said about contrast. God! <laughs> Man, I was so great at Twitter when I first started. Lou Bega was oh, following me, John God. Rocker was following me, nobody follows me now. Anyway, oh, um, but shout out to all my followers. Anyway, so, uh, the thing with, with Kyle Trask, like, when you say bring somebody along, like, I think Emory Jones is probably the, the future of, of what Dan Mullen wants to run that offense. Um, and I think that's completely fair. And, and yeah, there's a pride factor going on. And it's, that's the first thing with an offensive-minded coach going to a new place is, like, you know, Scott Frost in in uh, in Nebraska. Like, I'm sure he would love to have Mackenzie Milton, like, and that kind of person, like, that kind of talent to bring along with his offense. You don't always get to choose who you have, like, going into – uh, that's a, that's a bad example for yeah, a lot of reasons. Yeah, didn't he actually recruit but, him? Damn it, damn it. Uh, no, I say his name Adrian, wrong again? Adrian Martinez, a former Tennessee commit, is one of the top freshmen in the country oh, probably. Sure, okay. He's going to end up on a lot of freshman All-American teams. And looks, he's maybe the most stable thing about Nebraska. So I understand what you're trying to say, oh but maybe not the best I, example. I love how excited Especially, you got oh, by the way, about, you, I love how excited yeah, you so, got about defending Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't defend Nebraska. You threw out a tweet yesterday saying, what I said his name is... wrong. Who gets Nebraska? They're you, 0 you said, 6 to start the season. Let's shh, shh. let's get the point out before you start barking and getting defensive. You tweeted, "What in the world is Taylor Martinez doing?" Taylor Martinez was Nebraska's quarterback five years ago. Man. It is not Taylor Martinez anymore. It is Adrian Martinez. I can't believe I made those all I two names up. That's I cannot. I honestly, there's. I feel bad. I feel bad. Like I. That's um. If Nebraska. I don't know, hadn't started 0-6 and, and their worst start in over 129 years of football, I would feel worse, I think. Um, but regardless, what I'm saying is, I get the feeling... God, we've gotten so far off. Let's, let's move on. Let's Felipe just move Franks on to does not buy into Jane Mullen's system, I don't think. I think. I think he is the wrong person to have at quarterback. I think they should have Trask play the rest of the year. Glad to see you coming around on that school of thinking. All right, A&M, Auburn, great, great comeback for Jared Stidham and that Auburn offense. After Nick Marshall, we pretty... playing for Auburn, had a hell of a game. Gosh, you are living in 2013, man. Never, um, never. He, yeah, oh, yeah, way too soon. Um, Stidham leads this comeback. Auburn was down 10 points in the final five minutes, and Auburn was able to capitalize on just a horrendous interception from Kellen Mond. You can't make that throw in that game. 
in that spot with seven minutes left when you're driving like that. And it just completely flipped the script. All of a sudden, the Auburn offense wakes up. Stidham made what I thought was his best throw of the year on the game-winning pass to Seth Williams. Just an absolute dime in the corner of the end zone. And Auburn is able to escape with a much, much needed victory. You can't keep losing at home to teams that you should be beating. And this was a game that looked like AM was going to be able to, to put away, but just missed opportunity after missed opportunity. And Auburn ends up clinching bowl eligibility, which a few weeks ago, you know, That's we're like, crazy. Right, they get they get to get there, but six and three now. And I think all of a sudden, Auburn is kind of in not a bad position, all things considered. Just I'll say this. I'm not saying Auburn's going to beat Georgia or Alabama because those are road games for Auburn. But I'll, I will say this. We've already kind of gotten over the hump of the Gus Malzahn hot seat stuff. What's, Have we? Why, why is he, I think that we still kind of, we've, we've at least gotten over the initial shock of it to where he's not going to lose a game to one of those two teams and all of a sudden we're going to start talking about it. It's already oh, out in the okay. open. So that's, that's basically my point with that. Meaning the expectations going into Georgia next week and then obviously going into Alabama in a few weeks, they're low. They're going to be really low. Everybody has Auburn pencils in as this seven-win team, and they're going to go to, you know, I, I don't know, what are they going to play in the Music City Bowl or something like that? And Shoot, call it more like Toilet Bowl, dude. I don't mean that. That's actually not that bad of a position for Gus Malzahn to be in. <laughs> call me crazy, but tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I mean, Auburn, so it was, this for whatever reason, I have believed in this team Way more than I should have, but yeah, you're right. He's in a he's in a perfect position because the bar is set low, the expectations are not that high, and now Finally. this is a place where he can thrive. This is it's like me, man. You set that bar low, all right. <laughs> you set that expectation level low. That way, you're not disappointed when you fail. I've lived by that model my whole damn life. Regardless, um, moving forward with like these games, so I still don't think Gus Malzahn's the the answer. I, I think Jared Stidham went out there and won this game. And against every single thing and obstacle that Gus Malzahn self-inflicted and put in his way, Jared Siddham won. It was infuriating. And I'm a Bama fan. It is infuriating to watch this Auburn offense. I'm, you know what? You got me all fired up with this stupid you Taylor Martinez You kept texting thing. me. You kept texting me during this game. You're like, this is what Auburn's been working on for the last two weeks. This is, really? This is... It makes me so mad. It makes me... And it, it, it really shouldn't... I, I laugh at it while I'm... Like, I had, like, I had the case of the giggles watching this offense yesterday. Um, a little bit because it's it they they go so far out of their way to be efficient and you have the out inefficient it, yes exactly thank you yeah. and, and Gene Chizik's got to go anyway <laughs> so but they go so far out of their way to be inefficient and it's like at one point in the in the game they had a second and two like deep in their own territory and it's like you know what run the damn ball and get your first down you have the talent I know the offensive line's kind of weak this year. You have the talent to get two first downs. And what do you do instead? You throw some oop-de-doop BS to like a, a screen pass out on the wide, like farthest part of the field. And of course, somebody misses a block, so it's like a six-yard loss. And then after that, like you you throw so much side-to-side stuff. And when they finally went down by 10, because with, with two minutes and 31 seconds to go, the, the uh, win probability uh, meter or percentage thing on ESPN, God, I'm fired up, that was 92.6% in favor of A&M. And they I should think have got up to ninety six and a half. It, well, that was earlier. That was with seven and a half minutes to go. Okay, but yeah. it was at ninety two percent with with two and a half minutes to go, and you finally were put in a position that, where you had no other choice but to let your very talented quarterback, right, like stretch the field. And I don't know, you know, hit some of those receivers like Ryan Davis on passes that are over eight yards instead of some stupid ass three. I'm sorry, three yard three. out route. 
I'm, Free Ryan Davis and Darius Slayton. For let's, real, let's, man. Let's get them some looks 10, 15 well, yards like down the South, I, I, I had turned it back because I was watching the Ole Miss-South Carolina game because Uncle Chris had some money on that too. Um, but like, I turned it back and I see Sal Canella, our favorite, our favorite receiver from Con Air, catch that touchdown in the end zone. <laughs> and, and I was like, I was like, nice, Sal Canella. Uh, and I, I hear them like I, I missed how the play happened. I just saw they scored, and it was like on the double reverse pass. And it's like, dude, just run an <laughs> offense. Like this is yeah. not backyard football, man. Forty nine million dollars to play annex section of Puerto Rico for seven straight years. Get out of here. Off and and um, and um, kind of does the exact opposite now, where they use tight ends and fullbacks, and we've we we we're seeing Trayvon Williams really thrive in this. I know that he's you know up until. Saturday, he really has not been great on the road, but 200 yards, nearly 200 yards and three touchdowns in this game. His performance gets kind of washed away, yeah, and it's Kellen Mond game, sort of regressing from where he was early in the season. This was a big welcome to the SEC for Jimbo Fisher game. You know, just now being at four losses, all of a sudden they're going to fall out of the top 25. Um, yeah, Auburn maybe maybe potentially plays spoiler down the stretch. I don't think so, but they'll at least get to play up that narrative, and that's that's good motivation for them, knowing that Auburn's going to be back into the top 25 at 6-3, yeah. and three, and they're going to have at least low expectations going into right. this. That's the and the road team sometimes wins. Uh, didn't last year, obviously. Uh, we'll wins a lot for this game. But, yeah, it's miles on 8-0 off the off the bye weekend. But 2-6 and six in those one-possession games, man, in the last eight, That's it's unacceptable. So speaking of teams that are, well, actually, South Carolina is really good in one possession game. Yeah. South Carolina wins a shootout in Oxford, Mississippi. God. And Jake Bentley is able to to get that offense rolling. We saw Debo Samuel return the opening kick for a touchdown. Probably a good sign. Ole Miss didn't even kick at him. And he no. still was able to return that kick for a touchdown. Good sign for Ole Miss tackling. Uh, I put that in air quotes because, well, let's be honest. They are so um, bad on defense. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a train wreck. It's it's an absolute train wreck. Watching them try and tackle is is frustrating. I, I fear I, I I feel so bad for Ole Miss fans who have to watch that defense week in, week out. Get this stat. I actually went back and looked this up because I was I was very curious because it's good. You I always make up my stats. Yeah, I know. Um <laughs> I always think when I think of South Carolina winning a game, it's like seventeen fourteen. You know, or yeah. some Spurrier <laughs> era thing yeah, where point, yeah. they're grinding one out with Stephen Garcia, and I'm like, okay, they they won 21-17. I w- I wanted to know what was the most points that South Carolina has ever allowed in a win. So I went back and I looked at every single roster <laughs> on Wikipedia. I just clicked and clicked and clicked and clicked. They have never, at least from my what I could find, going back to 1953. Yeah, I was a loser. Whatever I looked. When it up. did you have time to do this yesterday? <laughs> I I don't know. I just I, I make the time. Um, South Carolina has never won a game in which it allowed forty four points. That was the first time. It it has allowed more than forty points in a win one other time, and that was to Georgia and like I don't know, like five years ago or six years ago, something like that. Um, but I think that's kind of telling now of what this this uh, this identity is turning into. You wouldn't say a Will Muschamp team is going to win a game forty eight to forty four, but when you're facing Ole Miss, I guess no rules apply. And yeah, and it was it's in the same way that Stidham has to be so frustrated. I, that offense has to be so so annoyed. I think is probably the best word. Jordan Tamu comes out there and lights up the world. So at halftime, and and, and credit to Jake Bentley, man, he did not look like Jake. Chrysler 300M yesterday. He Jake balled, Bentley, he they, both quarterbacks had 270 yards passing in the first half. So there's 540 yards of passing in the first half. Ole Miss, going into the fourth quarter, had 32 first downs and, and 600 yards of offense. 
I'm pretty sure they ended up with like under 620 yards of offense. Jordan Tamu just does everything right in that in that offense yesterday against a, a decent South Carolina defense, and it just every time that Ole Miss, and actually Ole Miss's defense had a couple of stops in the first half, but it was so frustrating to to watch for him because it's like man, big play after big play, and you carry that 10 point lead early in the fourth quarter, and then you end up not scoring a point the rest of the game. You get beat by four. It was I felt bad for that kid. But it was a hell so- of a game to watch, man. It was. South Carolina looks like bowl eligibility is pretty much in the bag considering they added the Akron game. I know that they still that that the game in Gainesville all of a sudden looking a little bit more interesting next don't week. Sleep well, on the zips, dude. Yeah, don't ever sleep on the zips, has been said by nobody except Northwestern fans. Um, let's wrap things up with our two other SEC games, uh, not playing against SEC teams, but uh, Charlotte and Tennessee. This, Big yeah. takeaway from this game was obvious. You were totally wrong You're about Jerry Cantano. Um, Tennessee had one offensive touchdown in this game. It was a beautiful ball that he threw to Josh Palmer in the corner of the end zone. How was I wrong about him? That, he was 16 to 21 for 172 yards. They scored one offensive touchdown at That's home. That's because they can't Charlotte. run the ball. They are terrible. They are t- like, can you imagine having to be a Tennessee fan and have to watch this? I, I just I can't imagine. I can't imagine it. I'm sorry, Tennessee fans. But 20 yards rushing against Charlotte on 26 attempts. Man, yeah. Charlotte did come in as the number six rushing defense in the country. I saw that, yeah. But like, regardless, Still. like you're Tennessee. Yeah, that they was not a good They also played the 126th ranked strength of schedule in the entire country. So I totally get that. And I think I saw someone tweet that out yesterday. But that that part was also left out. The 126th ranked strength of schedule yeah. in the country. Uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, frustrating to see just some of the non-conference duds where you're a 21 point favorite and you look i mean early on you can tell i mean may, maybe middle of the second quarter you're like ah, tennessee's not scoring 21 points today no uh, they didn't that, score at all not in the today. second half but credit to that defense because now in three non-con games at home they've only given up six total points which, which is impressive to some really really bad offenses but let's move on to uh mississippi state an offense that not looking very bad. Looking really good all of a sudden. Nick Fitzgerald finding his groove with Joe Moorhead against the Louisiana Tech team that you thought was going to give him a much, much better game. Excuse me. Um, my big, my big takeaway was I was right about Mississippi State's offense being a total juggernaut. Oh my God. Doesn't matter that they're playing against Louisiana. Tech. You're the worst. <laughs> I don't. Um, do you want me to just be honest with my one takeaway or not? Yeah, go ahead. I didn't watch this game for a second. I watched a half hour of this game because I, it was that 7.30 to 8 o'clock window yeah. um, where I was making dinner before the Alabama game. It was after I finished sick brag right in my uh, Georgia-Kentucky column. Uh, but, yeah, I watched that half-hour window, and that was pretty much all I needed to see. Yeah, so, yeah, Nick um, Fitzgerald throws for a bunch of touchdown I was around the passes. apartment, panic drinking, panic cleaning, and burning sage. So I missed the first 30 minutes. But, no, it, like it looked – now, again, this is from the stat-wise, stat a La Tech team that put up 21 against LSU on the road – that's seven and two against the spread in their last nine as a road underdog to Power Five teams, as our buddy Bear from Game Day posted. So I, I, it, it, this is also a trap, like not a trap game, but one of those sandwich games where you're coming off a big win, then you have Bama next week. So it was a really impressive win um, from the stat sheet that I saw for Mississippi State. So sorry, Mississippi I didn't State. Watch it. Mississippi State, Bama. Uh, Mississippi State is basically going to satisfy the role of ultimate. Uh, like they're 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 going to boost the SEC so much because. Beating them is like a back-end top 25 win yeah. for all these teams, <laughs> these contenders. And I got a feeling that's what it's going to be for Bama, even though that defense 
we expect to to show up and show out and at least maybe get a little bit of pressure on Tua. But yeah, I mean, nobody's picking against Bam on that one. No. Tell us about a beverage that you probably had a few of yesterday. Oh, went through my favorite six pack of fun. It's called Bud Light on Saturday. Is that a thing? That is not part that of the That is not ad. a thing. So it is not part of the ad. However, uh, this episode of the SCS Podcast is brought to you by Bud Light. As you guys know, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Uncle Chris loves him a good Bud Light. Uh, fewer things go better than college football and an ice cold Bud Light. Bud Light is game day's favorite light lager. Uh, we've actually been working with the folks at Bud Light for a few years. They do amazing stuff with college football fans. Uh, we did a little tailgating tour a couple years ago. And I have good news, Connor. I don't know if you even know this yet. I don't know this yet. You don't? No. It could be anything. I have a fourth nipple. No, that is not what I was going to say. Whoa. <laughs> fourth, dude. Yeah, it just means more. Just means four. Moving on. Bud Light, we did a tailgate tour around the Southeast a couple years ago. Guess what we are doing this weekend and two weeks from now and the week after? Drinking Bud Light. Well, that is a, that is a damn obvious statement, Connor. Yeah, I do that even in... Not on Saturdays. Regardless, we are getting back up on that tailgating pony, and we will be in Athens, Georgia, this weekend, filming some stuff with Bud Light, talking to fans, talking about why Ice Cold Bud Light is, besides foliage and football, <laughs> the best thing about fall. So, uh, we will be there in Athens. We will also be in Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl. Really? Yes. Wait, does, we, does we include me? Uh, I believe Tuscaloosa does, my man. Uh, we are. Really? We will... We will it is All still, right. we'll, we'll double check on the safe side, but we will be there with Bud Light, um, uh, the Iron Bowl, we will be there for that as well. We will also be at the SC Championship game. So mingling with fans, talking to you about some Bud Light. I, I don't know if I have any to give away because, I mean, if they give us any, I'll tell you exactly where that's going to go. Going in my stomach, going in my gullet, going down the fun hatch. So Bud Light celebrates college football and reminds all fans to enjoy the game and drink responsibly. That's the most important thing. Like, we, I stayed in last night. I didn't, I didn't go anywhere. All right. I, as soon as I popped the first one, you know what I did? I told you what I did. Threw the keys out the window because I wasn't going to drive anywhere, obviously. And I gave my phone over to the fiance. And I was like, "Here, you take this. I'm going to drink responsibly." And I'm going to tweet. Yes, responsibly. tweeting. Yeah, tweeting responsibly being the more important yes, thing. Very, uh, that's very true. But very big of you. Big shout very out big to Bud Light, though. I'm excited to get to you. As you know, and I've said it a bazillion times, uh, is my favorite rivalry in all of, all of college football, Auburn, Georgia. I cannot wait to be in Athens. You know, I, every time I see that Chick-fil-A commercial, I think oh. to myself, is that really the, the, the best rivalry? That guy like, that's... sucks. That guy is the worst. <sighs> Long Island Jim is, is a huge, huge Auburn, and Auburn fan. That is, they even brought up little orange plates. Stop hating on us Yankees, man. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I'm excited. I actually walked by uh, Piedmont Park this morning, where the first game was ever played there. I, I'm very excited. So, and... Um, yeah, you have to sneak you in my duffel bag. We'll just do it like a, like they did in Little Rascals. We'll just wear a long trench coat. You can sit on my shoulders, and we'll go to that Bama Auburn game. Sounds good. Yeah, make it happen. Let's guess some Week Eleven lines. We already talked about Mississippi State and Alabama. Let's save that one for the end. Actually, let's save that one for let's the save, end. Let's, yeah, all right. let's start with uh, LSU at Arkansas. Now, of course. For those of you who don't know, this is America's favorite game, wherein we guess the week eleven lines. Yeah. Pat ourselves on the back for like the three that we get right. We had um, no, we had almost every one of them right last week. We did have almost every we had one of them right. Six out of seven, dude. Okay, yeah, that's and I, I consider it right being within like two points. Yeah, and it's consensus we, rankings Whatever. or consensus uh, point spreads. 
Um, anyway, moving moving on. First up, LSU, LSU as at Arkansas. This used to be a great game that happened every Friday after Thanksgiving, and I would lay around full of tryptophan and regret, and uh, and watch it. And now it's now it's this Saturday. What do you got? You just made me think of Hawaiian rolls and turkey sandwiches, oh. which is my happy place. Um, let's let's think. Man, I don't eat enough Hawaiian rolls throughout the year. How have I never called you Con Air? Yeah, I, I was called that in like first grade way shoot, back in the day. Shoot. People got off that quickly. I remember um, first graders watching Con Air was rated R. Nah, I'd like teachers every once in a while, like throw that out there. And okay. Anyway, moving on. Um, LSU, I'm going to say, is favored by 16 points. Ooh, I'm going to say 21 and a half. That seems like a lot given the fact that they scored as many points as you and I did. I know it's Alabama. and Al- Comparing the Alabama defense to the Arkansas defense. Yeah, Arkansas defense. has been a juggernaut this year, so I, I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> so How dare you doubt Jan, Dan, Jan, Chavis, and Jan, get a week off, Jan, Jan. Um, Kentucky at Tennessee. Um, By the way, do we know the, t- the kickoff times for these yet? I think they were, yeah, they, I think they were just announced. We'll figure we'll figure that out, though. Yeah, weird that they waited so long with these Week 11 games. Um, Kentucky's going to be favored, but not as much as they should be. I'm going to say they're favored by five and a half. Ooh, against Tennessee, I'm going to say uh, nine and a half. Vegas hates Kentucky. Let's not forget that. That is also true. Um, and it is at Tennessee. That's fair. So up next, we have Carolina going on down to the swamp, swamp, swamp music. A little Leonard Skinner for you. Carolina at Florida. What do you got? Another road game for the Cox. Uh, Florida's going to be... Man, this this past week really kind of throws a wrench in it because that game was such an outlier, but three-and-a-half point favorite? Who is? Florida's a three-and-a-half point That's favorite. That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. Um, yeah, I think three-and-a-half is exactly right. I wonder I wonder if they're going to hold... Maybe, maybe they already have a line on this, but I wonder if they hold back... If waiting for a quarterback announcement. No, there's no too. there's no lines out yet. That's a good point though. It could, it could no, if they off. hold back during the week, I'm saying. No. Um, okay, so and that by the way, that game is a twelve o'clock kick. Brunch, brunch at the swamp. Brunch at the swamp. Okay, so Ole Miss at A and M. That kickoff is not announced somehow. That's got to be a. That looks like it'll be a four o'clock. No. Yeah, probably a four o'clock on the SC network. So Ole Miss heads to A and M. Couple of licking you know, the wounds game. That A and M passing defense. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm a big Mike Elko guy, but I think I think the fact that Ole Miss can actually move the ball through the air is going to make that make that line a little bit less than what it should be, or what I thought it would be a couple weeks ago. Um, let's say A and M six point favorite. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna nice. say six and a half. Um, and the reason why is because, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I really thought you were going to say three points on that. I'll say six and a half just because um, they lost by four at home to South Carolina. So how they go in this environment? It might even be more than that. You never know. Uh, next game, we've got, ooh, juggernaut, Vandy at Mizzou. Oof. That is, please, God, don't be a 12 o'clock game. 12 o'clock game. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was the only, we, we, well, we, like, Copy and paste the, the games oh, yeah. in here. That was the only one that we did know. Um, Perfect. Yeah, they're like, yeah, this game is definitely going to be at noon. We're, we're not going to. Can we start at 7 a.m., please? Uh, Mizzou is going to be favored considerably because Mizzou with Emmanuel Hall, basically national champ. Um, I'm going to say Mizzou's favored, although they still love Vandy because let's not Damn forget, it. Vandy, Vandy within five points in Notre Dame. Um, 
Odds makers still, for whatever reason, playing that up. I'm going to say 12-point favorite, Ooh, Mizzou. I'm going to say 7.5. Yeah, I went too high. I went too high. You always do. You always do. Um, okay, we're going to get down to my favorites of the week. We've got Auburn, the Plainsman from from West, I guess East Georgia, basically, or West Georgia. Auburn is in Georgia, bottom line. They head to Athens, the classic city, to play the Bulldogs in the South's oldest rivalry. God, the deep South's oldest rivalry. I love this game so much. Who do you got? I think that George is favored by double digits. And I know that that's tough, considering that this game last year was so lopsided when it was at Jordan-Hare. But big revenge game. It's at night. This is George's biggest game, biggest home game of the season, which is a weird thought. They don't have We a were lot. looking at this yeah. game. Yeah, they just the, the home schedule did not shake out for them. They've basically been on the road the last month. I'm going to say George is a 12-point favorite. That's a, I like that guess. I'm going to say 10 and a half. Um, I mean, think about it. Because they were they, they ended up only being, what, actually, a 9-point favorite against Kentucky on the road? And Auburn will be ranked going into this game. You said 12 points? Yeah. I'm going to say 9 and a half. Um, I mean, no, you know Sounds what? Like you know what? I'm going to say 13 and a half. I'm all over the place. They're at home. You know what? Ten and a half. Just Let's ju- just go with the first. Go with the Holy first. Holy cow. Final answer? Final Goodness answer. Gracious. Heard that, sister. All right. Mississippi State heads to Tuscaloosa. Uh, it is a 3.30 kick, so um, Bama students have no excuse not to be there. What do you think is going to happen with this line? This is going to sound like me being uh, still banging the Mississippi State drum, God, I can't but it's wait. not. It's not. I think 18. Yes, um, yeah, okay. Because this defense is still nobody's really been able to light up this defense. Connor, I know that Kentucky team that doesn't make you sound like you're banging the drum at all. It's, <laughs> it's I, no, I know. I'm just saying because I think anybody you would look at Alabama yeah. and say how how are they going to stay within 21 points of them? Uh, because nobody's been able to do that all year. But right. uh, I think Mississippi State could potentially have the smallest margin of victory, and that's not to say that they're a better defense than LSU or anything yeah. like that, but. Um, just coming off of the the emotional high, I wouldn't be surprised if that is under twenty because Mississippi State's defense is is legit and they they've stayed you know relatively healthy this season yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna be able to to do some things that are gonna maybe yeah so you're never saying mind. it with so much confidence it sounds great I know I'm talking myself into this too much Let, let's <laughs> just leave do it at all this stuff man it's like they're giant gonna do bags the things sand. they're gonna football so hard. Um, <laughs> Here's the thing that's going to happen in this game. I've got Bama 21 and a half, and the reason why is this. I saw yesterday they re- they released the Vegas odds on what the lines would be for Bama in the field uh, at a neutral site. Bama's at home for this game. Bama would be a 17 and a half point favorite over an unranked Notre Dame team. They'd be a 14 and a half favorite. They are a 13 and a half favorite, actually, over Georgia on a neutral field. They're at home. This is going to be over 20 points. I'd tell you what's interesting, though, is what the over-under will be. That's a good question. Because that's a that, really good defenses. question. Yeah, that'll be tough to figure out. I would stay far away from that game. Yeah, um, I won't. I'm sure. As much as we've talked about Bama being free money by the way, this year, I would by the way, stay speaking far away. of free money, your boy and granted that that eight no start with the Maction helped out a lot, but your boy went sixteen and four this week. Oof. Yeah, Uncle Chris Dang. is November is where I hit stride. Leaves start changing. I start changing. Woo! Moving on. Finish us out here. Too shabby. It might mean too much. We didn't talk about this earlier. We probably should have. This video, you've probably seen it by now, it's from Mark Burnett. Tweeted out video of Alabama fans after the game last night chanting as only they could, 
We want Bama. Uh, incredible. So, so perfect. Bama is now competing against itself. That's it. That, that's yeah. all that you can say if you're a Bama fan. Cre- credit the... They probably said that before at some point. Um, but good for you, Bama fans, for realizing that your only competition is you and everybody else who chants that. They're fools. And ultimately, Alabama is the only team that can beat Alabama. Yeah, I think that's that could be true. Could be true. You said earlier three teams can beat Alabama, which is ludicrous. Connor, I, know I wasn't just... listening to what you just said. I'm looking at the Twitter machine because of this damn this Bud Light tweet I had yesterday with uh with Will Muschamp. That was pretty good stuff, man. Let's close this out. We've got one good five star review to get to today. Ooh, do um, yes, we do. This is from DJ Dirty D. Um, sorry if I'm. Maybe it's DJ Dirt. Why DJ Durkin? No, it's not DJ Durkin. Um, Things are not going so well for him right now. Although he did get that five million dollar buyout from Maryland to, um, for some crazy reason. He even just immediately went to a curved gym and just started throwing fun size Snickers bars at overweight people. Is the worst. Shout out Matt Canada. Yeah. Maybe gonna get that job. Doing well for himself. Bouncing right back on his feet. I'm sure he was watching that game last night. Even though he only scored three points against Michigan State yesterday, I'm sure he was watching Steve Enswinger put up a goose egg against Bama, thinking, you know what, I could have done that too. Anyways. This, this review from DJ Dirty D, subject, great coverage and great laugh. Never been told that before. Um, I think they're referring to you. but I really enjoy listening to you guys every week and get excited when I see a new episode pop up in my queue. You guys provide some really great coverage and insight into upcoming games, recaps, and just all things SEC. The Coach Obit cracks me up every week, and I know I look crazy cutting my grass, just like Terry Wilson, uh, while dying laughing. <laughs> You guys do a great job at mixing the fans' perspective with the more grounded perspective of a journalist. Sounds like thanks for the I laughs. Know which one those were. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for the laughs and awesome coverage. Go dogs! P.S. Best theme song in the biz. People love that theme song. Will Ogburn nailed that man. Crushed it. I the first time I heard that, I was like, all right, I can I can grow into that. Yeah. It has grown on me more and more. Now when I hear it, I'm like, I kind of want to hear the you know the full thing. Makes me want to go walk play. outside on the grass without any shoes on, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I I love when people will get, like, sometimes we'll get, like, comments. Like, that'll be either on Twitter or just anywhere. And it's like, hey, it's like somebody commented about the podcast. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, hopefully it's some validation that I could use always incessantly. And then somebody is like, where do I get the full-length version of that damn intro song? I'm like, I don't, I don't know, sir. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun week for us. It was great having Peter Burns on. The little special bonus interview that we had with Paul Feinbaum, the restraining order, still in effect. If you haven't listened to that, it, I promise it wasn't just all previewing the weekend. Yeah. We got some bigger picture stuff. It was a whole lot of fun. We'd really appreciate Paul listen to that. I don't on. want to quote Rush Probst. What are you doing? What are you even what doing? Do you do? What's, uh, Alex, what are you doing? <laughs> that was, actually, that was a little bit more Pruitt than Probst. It's but either way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you're watching Facebook Live every Monday night at 8.30. Daylight saving time did not change Ugh. that, right? I don't know. I'm so depressed. This is the worst day. Don't hate. Don't it's hate. Just, it's it's going to get dark at like 5 o'clock. Reminds me I know, but like I will TRL back in the day. And it's like, how the hell is it dark? It's 4.30 in the afternoon. That's a good point. I do definitely remember doing yeah. that. Make sure that you are watching also on Saturday morning. Uncle Chris going to set you up. Maybe he's going to set you up to go 16 and 4 like he did. Pretty impressive. Make it rain. Not bad at all. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at C Marler SDS at C J O Guerra. I realized last week I messed up and I did not ask us. The, I did not ask you the most important thing to do. So I think we have to say it twice this time to make up for last time. Most important thing to do: 
always eat your feelings after a tough loss. And it might mean too much. Hey, by the way, shout out to uh, everybody that follows us on Twitter for the pod. We got over 8,000 followers now. Amen. Make it 9,000. Yeah. I challenge you. Yeah. Go eat those cupcakes, Connor. We'll see you all on Wednesday, guys.